Welcome to Deus Books. Join us on a journey into the heart of Catholicism through the most interesting reading, stories, and doctrines that the Church has to offer. Today, we're going to be reading a book from the Bible. Yeah! For the first time... On Deus Books. On Deus Books. So, here's the thing when you're reading the Bible. There's a million ways to dissect biblical stories... And so if we go through this and they're like, why didn't you mention this? <laughs> Just chill out, you know? Just relax. Just relax. Just calm down, bro. Yeah. It's, uh, if it was a 40-hour podcast per episode, yeah. then, then you can yell at me if I miss something. Right, if we did like the three hours. Yeah. On, on we are going to read book. the entire book, though, because it's a short it's book. It's very short. It's called Ruth. Ruth. In the Old Testament. And this is a different type of genre. It's like a little, like a little novel book. Well, nice. There's characters. There's you know a dramatic plot point in the book, and there's a ha- nice happy ending, like a short story, like a little short story. Look at that! Yes. In the Bible, we got short stories, and so sweet. Let's just uh, let's just get into it. Let's we just it. we just felt like you know some stories in the Bible were kind of worth right. breaking down. And shedding light on the way that we do with other books. Well, because a lot of times we go over the New Testament, and then we go over like Genesis and like you know Moses and Exodus. Yeah. And like, but there's so many other things like Ruth. What about poor Ruth? Yeah. You're tiny, just gonna skip tiny over but that? mighty, you know? Yeah, exactly. Four chapters long, so you could sit down and read this book in under an hour. Yeah. So easy. here we here we go. You ready for this? A little background first. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's get some context. Um. In the Bible, uh, when Moses frees the slaves and they go and they and they start their journey towards the promised land, they eventually get to the promised land, but Joshua brings them there. He's Moses' successor. So lots of time has passed. Moses was a great leader. Joshua was like a great military leader. Well, he dies, and he didn't really prep anyone to take his spot. And so Israel, for a period of about 200-ish years, they uh, elect their best warrior in each tribe of Israel. So there's 12 tribes. So they each elect their best warrior, and they call them a judge. And those are the people that rule over Israel, the judges. Gotcha. And so when one dies or falls out of power, they just replace him with the next best warrior. And these sort of 12 tribes govern themselves like that for like 250 years. And so Ruth is in that period okay. during the Judges. Right on. Sufficient background information? Yes. All right. Proceed. Let's kick it off then. Let's do it. Some of the names are biblical, so yeah. I might. But like we mentioned that Ruth was like a short story. Like what genre? Because the Bible has different genres. Yeah. What genre does she fall into? Like, is she like a prophet or is this like history? This like, would be a history. Okay. This would be a history book. Yeah. Um, the theme is kind of like two themes. Well, there's like there's a couple themes. This has been a story used for like religious nations and societies about their views on immigration. Ooh. Because there's an, a theme of immigration going on, being a foreigner. Um uh, it's also sort of like the staple story for friendship. and But the overarching theme is like, how does God help us uh, when we're going through hard times? How does he work maybe behind the scenes in indirect ways or even direct ways? So, you ready for this? I am ready. Okay. 
skip that. All right, ready for... So I'm just going to kick this off from chapter one. Cool. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So one more thing, and then I, I swear I'll read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes in the Bible, they pack tons of important details to the story in like three sentences and don't expand. <laughs> yeah, and well, because it was written for a specific audience. Yes, yeah. and so... We might have to like kind of stop it here and there because we're gonna get a lot real fast, and then it sort of slows down into a normal story pace. Gotcha. But let's 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 go. So, uh, there's a famine, right? Okay. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Now Moab. It was a country that was when Israel moved into the promised lands that they kind of had to fight with. So Israel sort of eventually uh, occupy or subjugate isn't quite the right word. It wasn't that harsh, but Israel sort of wins. Right. And so even though Moab is identified as a new country, it's still under the territory of Israel. But let's say there let's just say there's tension between the people that are from, like, Bethlehem, for example, and from Moab. Does Got that make it. sense? So they're like rivals. In a way, yes. Okay. Yeah, so there's some there's some tension there. So Got it. that's kind of our first thing. Now all these the people that conquered Moab have are fleeing Jerusalem to go live there, so they're mm. outsiders in this way. Gotcha. So the man's name was... The man's name was... I'm not even going to try, try and pronounce his name. E- Eli Milik? I'm going to call him Eli. Can I call him Eli? Is that sacrilegious? Elimelech? Eli. <laughs> a man. Call him Elim so that we don't confuse him with like another Eli. Elim. Okay, I'll take that. That's a fair, that's a fair negotiation. <laughs> Elim. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Killian. Not really that important. They were from this area, from Bethlehem, blah, 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 Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So that's what you get. You just get this quick picture of this family who's going to live in Moab because there's a famine. Now, Elim, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. So they're living in Moab. Husband's gone, just the mother now. So they marry two Moabite women. So women that are native to this area that they just moved into, right. named Orpa. You want to say Oprah, but it's not correct. <laughs> it's Orpa. Orpa, yeah. Orpa and the other Ruth. After they have lived there about ten years, so there you have it. They have about ten happy years in this area. Both Malon and Kilion died. Mm. So. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So right there, we get a picture. They moved to this foreign land. Naomi's sort of kind of the main character at this point. That's mm-hmm. who we kind of are focused on throughout yeah. most of this story. And so you got to picture it. She goes to live in this foreign land. Her husband dies right away. Luckily, her two sons are with her, so they can kind of take care of her. They marry two women, and then they die. My goodness. And so now you have an old widow with two, what would they be, stepdaughters? Yes. Yeah. Right? Two stepdaughters? Different marriage. Right? Yeah. So they'd be stepdaughters, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but they're her daughters. They're not her biological daughters. Oh, then they are her stepdaughters, yeah. Yeah, they're her biological sons' wives. But their sons are dead now, so. They'd be, so they'd be grandchildren. 
No. Her son's wives. Sorry. So her son's wives. Yeah. So it'd be daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's I knew stepdaughter was not the right yeah. word. Stepdaughter would mean that she got like married to another dude and that he already yeah. had kids. No, not that. Daughter-in-law. Okay. Daughter two daughters-in-law. Two, so two, two daughters-in-law. I like how you said that correctly. And Naomi are left. Correct. The okay, so all the dudes are dead. All the men are dead. Okay. And if you're still with us at this point, God <laughs> bless you. Because right. That so, took it's, us so it's <laughs> so it's starting off as a tragedy. Oh yeah, it's a real depressing paragraph if you really think about it. All right. It. So we are starting off depressed. Yes. Okay. And um, so here's sort of the a, a little bit more context. Orpa is pro. It's hard to know for sure. There's differing scholars have different opinions. If I were to age these people, Orpa is probably in her 40s. No, Naomi is probably in her 40s. I'm okay. sorry. Naomi, the widow. So middle-aged. Middle-aged. Okay. But back then? Old. You're good as dead. Because right. here's the problem. If you're a widow, you're if you're a woman in ancient Israel, in the ancient world pretty much anywhere, your options are to get married, Yep. to become a prostitute, or to just live with your parents. Right. Now, here's the problem. Can't really be a prostitute. Can't really live with your parents right. if you're elderly. Yeah. And she's not going to be able to get remarried because no one's going to want to marry an old widow. Right. And it was more common for older men to marry, not yes. women. Yeah. Yes. And so, oh, but uh, Orpa and Ruth are probably in their 20s. So still relatively young. Gotcha. So here's... Uh, so there you go. That's a little bit more subtext. So here's what happens. So right after the 10-year mark where everyone's dead, except the women, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of the people by providing food for them. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So the... Famine is over, and Naomi's like basically made the decision that I'm going to go back to where I belong, okay. go back to my native homeland. Right, so she's going to return home. Because I came here with my husband's, or, or with my husband, and he's dead now. Okay. And I don't want to live here alone without, you know what I mean? Right. Okay. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So she basically says, you two are young enough to get remarried. No point in wasting your life with an old hag like me. I'm going back to my native land. Good luck. You guys go live with your parents and maybe you can have another shot at happiness. Yeah. That's like, that's a big... That's a big deal. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not like a short time that they've been together. They've been living together for 10 years. Yeah. But I also, I get it. Right. I mean, I get I get where Naomi's coming from. Well, yeah. Like, she's just looking out for their best interests. Right. So. Can't knock that. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. So she's like, Go. Live your life. Be happy. Right. Shoo. Get out of here. And then they're like, but we don't want to leave you. And there's yeah. like a lot of ugly crying, I'm imagining. Probably, yeah. They're hugging. Totally. Just sobbing. Yes. And like, we want to come with you. We're not going to abandon you. 
very dramatic, lots of dramatic music in the oh, background. Oh, oh yeah, like yeah, my heart will it's go like, on. It's raining. Uh, it's for sure raining. Yeah, uh, yeah, very windy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. When I when I teach this uh, when I teach this part in class, sometimes I'll show the video from Pokemon where Ash tries <laughs> to let Pikachu <laughs> go live with his native <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So. That was that was an emotionally charged moment for me. Yeah, and it's the same scenario that they're right. that they're in in this Bible. <laughs> That's so. a great image. Yeah. The thing is, it's hit or miss on whether they have watched that. Yeah, you know? and I, I don't know if our listeners are familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Let just if you wanna if you just wanna cry your eyes yeah. out, have a good cry one night. Just Google uh, Look that up. Ash and Pikachu say goodbye. Yeah. It it that was I was very sad. Yeah, some could say that's a very traumatizing. It was. Moment. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. They, so they were very sad. They're like, I don't want to leave you. We're yes. gonna go yeah. And so Naomi says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even mm. if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons... Would you wait until they grow up? That's weird. Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord has turned his hand against me. So She's got a really good point. Oh, I see where she's coming from. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I'm screwed. I have no options. You guys still do. Yeah. So go away. It's for your own good. Or better yet, stay here. I will go away. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. You stay here. And yeah. she's still ugly crying when this Right, this whole, yeah, tears and yeah. hugging and, yeah. And so at this, they wept aloud again. See? See? They had to put that in there. Yeah. Then Orpa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. So Orpa sort of takes Naomi up on this proposition. She's like, yes, this is going to be better for me if I go. So she leaves. She stays while they leave. Ruth is like still hanging on. Like, I will not let you go. Right. And then here, this is actually sort of a famous quote. It's on like signs and plates and other oh, religious interesting. memorabilia. Yeah, so here's a famous quote by Ruth. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death, or if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Ruth's just loyal. Yeah. Loyal to the bitter end is like, I am not going to abandon you. Even if it kills me, I'm coming with you. That's right. Yeah. That's I, have, the, I have to respect that. That's the video right there. Oh. Okay. For those people that aren't watching this. <laughs> Which is everybody because we don't <laughs> video stream. <laughs> so Jared is is wisely has a PowerPoint prepared for this episode. And uh, 
the pictures he uses. But the video he was referencing was that was the link to the the video that we were just talking about. The, the Pikachu. The one. Pikachu. Yeah, but the picture with the crying. Cat. I have a picture of the crying cat. <laughs> I, sometimes I forget I have these because I've seen it. So I mean, it's <laughs> as a student. Okay, cool. Like that's engaging. It's relevant. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, it's you're a great teacher. That's I'm phenomenal. professional. Yeah, I'm professional. That's why they pay you money. That's awesome. Okay, so they're going back to Bethlehem. Back to Bethlehem. Here so we go. So the two women went out until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Here's one of my favorite lines. Okay, I'm ready. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Well, to can we explain why she said that? I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So the reason, I just noticed that you have a different version than I do. The version that I have, the NAB, um, do not call me Naomi, which means sweet. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Yeah, she changes her name to bitter. Right. Which is... It's a little emo, if you ask me. It's on brand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> We're just like laughing through this whole tragic story. This is not a comedy. No, it's, not a comedy. it's really not. Um, We're not good with tragedies, as you can tell. So, so here we go. <laughs> so million. yeah, but I mean, if you just kind of take the words for what they mean, she is at rock bottom of all rock bottom. So much so that she feels the need, like she doesn't even want to be called right. by that name, which right. means sweet. So. So, uh, Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So, here's a little more context here. So, Naomi is back to where her homeland is. That's why all the women are kind of, like, stirred up and be like, look who's back. Oh, she's back, yeah. Yeah. Ruth is completely foreign. Who's this lady? Yes. They're like, who's this weirdo? Why are you bringing her to this? Who's place? the Moabite? Yeah. It's like a little slanderous term. Right. So now we're in chapter two. Ready for this? I am so ready. The focus shifts to Ruth in this. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Eli Malik, whose name was Boaz. It's a heck of a name, huh? It's an awesome name. And Ruth, the Moabite woman, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Eli, who was uh, Naomi's original husband. Elam. Yeah, yeah, Naomi's original. So here's a little more context. Boaz, who in some way is was related to Naomi's husband, right? In some way related to him, he owns a field. So he's a, and they say he's a, a guy of standing. So I we're imagining a sort of richer uh, business person that owns yeah. property, part of the noble class. Yes, and. What Ruth has asked, let me go and pick up the leftover grain. This is like 
the job she's doing is these people go and harvest grain. She's going to follow behind them and pick up anything they drop. And so this is a demeaning position. Right. It's just a step above being a beggar. Yeah. It's a little bit better than that. And the thing is, she's not an official employee of Boaz, so there's no guarantee that she's going to be treated right, that she's even going to be allowed to do this. She just goes and does this. And when she lets Naomi know, uh, she's so depressed, she's like, whatever, go ahead. Doesn't even give any other context. So um, there we go. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. They said, the Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? So he sees Ruth, and he's like, hey, who's that? Yeah. Well, who does she belong to? Who's that? Assuming that she's married. Yeah. Because I'm looking, and he's I'm looking. liking. He's like, oh. I'm reading into that a little bit. But. It's like the same as, like, is she single? Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's the same question. So the overseer replies, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi, she said. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Ruth's got a work ethic. Yeah, hard worker. Hard worker. And Boaz took notice. Huh? He did indeed. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> It's a great story. Keep going. So Boaz goes up to Ruth and he says, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. That's important. That is important. Because she could have easily been abused. And right. She would have nobody to look because after. Precisely because she was a foreigner. Yeah. She had no ties to anyone there. And Naomi, he's not going to be able to protect her. Right. So he, as the owner of this property, is like, I, I've told them, you know, you're off limits. She's not to be touched, yeah. And whenever you're thirsty, go get a drink of water from the jars the men have filled. So um, at this, she bows down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? <laughs> So two things here. I don't know if that's how she said it. I'm just imagining. But Boaz has promoted her. And he didn't have to do this. There's nothing really in it for him other than him just being a nice person. And he promotes he uh promotes her and now she doesn't have to follow along. She can work with the women and she can get water and she's gonna be protected. So good on Boaz. Yeah, shout out to Boaz. Shout out to Boaz. Now, um, I think I have it later on. I was going to say something, but maybe I'll save it till later on. Yeah, store okay. it. Put it put it in on a shelf or remind something. Me, remind me to bring this back up. Okay. Bring up Ruth Meets Boaz. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Slide 18. All right. <laughs> <laughs> when should I remind you to bring that up? All right. So she said, remember, she said, why have I found such favor in you? And then Boaz replied, 
I've been told about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So uh, she says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes. My Lord, she said, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. And then at mealtime, well, let me stop it there because the next phrase kind of ruins it. But (laughs) (laughs) but what we have right here, he is acknowledging the hardship she's gone through. And he's like, you deserve at least this. Shout out to him again. Which is fair, right? He's just doing great right now. He's a great guy. Right now, he's just doing fantastic. And then after he says all that, he says, uh, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. Sounds delicious. Maybe that's a delicacy back then. I'm not sure. I would imagine it is, or else why would they put it in here? Yeah, like a vinaigrette. Maybe it was like a fancy food that like... You've never dipped bread in oil before? Like in an Italian restaurant? Yeah, but I wouldn't... I don't... Like it, know that that's how significant is that that you just put that in the story? <laughs> well, I think it and it's to me. I, I mean, I don't know if it's significant, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just like. Well, I guess you could read into it and be like, well, it's not just bread. It's like here. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe it eat, was more eat, of a delicacy. Eat how I'm eating. Uh, yes, that's the, that's what I was getting at. Instead I, of just like, here's a piece of bread. Have a nice day. It's yeah, like no, just throws it out. Eat her. what I'm eating. Yeah, he's basically you know putting her up to his level in a sense. Yeah, and I would imagine if they're at mealtime, you know, the head of the farm coming over to this woman and inviting her to do that would be a significant thing. Right. So yeah, yeah. There we go. We've dissected. We've uh, done a good job there. That phrase. Okay. So don't forget slide eighteen. Uh, I will. It's later. Okay. Oh, there it is. I okay. got it. It's cu- it's coming up. Don't worry. Okay. About okay. It. <laughs> the Organ- ever elusive slide eighteen organization. So when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. Again, I imagine that's nice food. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. And she got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to her men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until morning. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to, and whatever that word is, epoph. Significant amount. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over that she had eaten. And her mother-in-law. So Naomi is back in the picture now. Ruth just had a great day, I would say. Wouldn't you agree? I, she was treated as as anyone else and there. And she gathered a bunch of food. Right. And Naomi is still being depressed. Yeah. So she comes home to Naomi. And she goes, where did you glean today? Where did you work? And just to, just to, for gleaning in this sense means um, to gather leftover grain after a harvest. Yeah. And so that's it, the definition of gleaning here. And in that, he, Boaz, gave some of his workers instructions, like, pull out some extra for her. So right, like, you know, yeah. Like, but, hook her up. Right, basically, yeah. 
Yeah. Which again, shout out to Boaz. Shout out to Boaz. He's he's checking all the boxes of nice. Yes. So uh, Naomi's like, well, where did you work? Look at all that stuff. Bless the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Then Naomi says, the Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She has. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. So two things here. Close relative, they're not blood-related. This is about tribal sort of like... Uh, He's like one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Succession of duties. Yeah. Right. And so the term guardian redeemer is probably similar to like maybe like a godfather, where if he is the person appointed to take care of other family members if they fall in hard times. So this basically this means that Ruth, he treated her as family. Yes. Yes. And he... And not only did he do it, with without necessarily knowing that, right. but or maybe he did know it, but that is his duty. Right. So you got lucky there. So Ruth. he treated her as like one of her tri- like his tribe. Like, right. You're one of my people. Yes. So sh- again, shout out to Boaz. Shout out to Boaz. Then the then Ruth the Moabite said, "He even said to me, stay with the workers until they finish harvesting all my grain.'" So, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So she's like, hey, you need to go back there. You need to keep working there. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Happy, happy fun times. Here's one of the things. Is this the slide 18? This is slide 18, Okay, slide 18, here we go. (laughs) I'm ready! The Old Testament does this stuff all the time. This is just one example of many. If you were an ancient Jewish person, you would have picked up on it right away. But we're not, so... We are not. It requires more research. Good, You did it, so good job. Yes. Actually, I think uh, Chance O'Collins did it in the intro to the Hebrew Bible, and I just took it from him. Well done. Yeah. But (laughs) (laughs) the book of Deuteronomy... Um, in the Old Testament, is a book of laws. The word Deuteronomy means second law. And so it's like a list of commandments, of principles, of how Moses wants the Israelites to live. Okay. Um, This is one of the commandments. Mm. Check this out. This is from Deuteronomy. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your wow. hands. Wow. So yeah. yeah, they would have picked up on this right away. Yeah, so when you're listening to this story, or reading this story, you're supposed to recognize Boaz as like a man of God. For sure. Because he's right. following literally that the letter of the law to a T in this instance. Yeah, he's killing it. Yeah. So it's just a little detail, but the Old Testament does that stuff all the time. No, that's that's important context because when you see it's like, oh, he's a man of God, like that changes how you view him. It, it's yeah. more than just, oh yeah, he's just a nice guy or a creep, yeah. right? No, he's a, he's a man of God. He's exactly. he's following the the law, right? So that, yeah, that's that is good context. All right, so glad we got that out of the way. I can relax now. Yeah, you I can. didn't forget to bring it up. Good, because I didn't forget to remind you. Yeah. So, like, because that definitely could have happened. And some would say the whole podcast would be ruined. It would have been a sham. 
chapter three. <laughs> Here we go. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law said, uh, Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find you a home for you where you will be provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked for, is a relative of ours. He's referencing that title, Guardian Redeemer. Yep. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So I'm going to stop right there. It, this is like a big stone circle, okay. the threshing floor. Okay. And people would take all the grain stalks and like throw it on there. Then you would like step on it right. and walk on it and sort of... I don't know, isolate the kernels or like whatever. separate it out or yes. something. Kind of like when you like smash a garlic clove to peel it. Yes. There that's a great that's a great example. I mean, I'm not a farmer, so maybe I missed some of those details, but generally right. speaking, this is what so Boaz is gonna be doing that tonight. Okay. Big, all alone. Big event. Big event. But he's by himself. He's by himself, all alone. Oh. Just gonna be smashing some grain. Smashing some grain. <laughs> So here's what Naomi says. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Ooh. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place of where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. Okay. And then Ruth just says, I'll do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. So this is weird for us to read. But basically, Naomi's like, hey, this is your one and only chance this to get is your remarried. Shot. Shoot your shot. Boaz, Boaz is being nice to you. He didn't have to. Right. He's got sort of like a duty to be nice to you, to yeah. take care of you. So why don't you go... Shoot your shot. Go shoot your shot. <laughs> Is that the correct way of putting it? I mean, some people in the... What's interesting is historically, like around Victorian England times and even around the Protestant Reformation, when there was like a like a real sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? They didn't like this story because they would call this the seduction of Ruth uh. or, or Ruth's seduction. So she is doing that. Basically, yes. in a way, she's going down there to try and like show to Boaz that like, like hi, I'm interested. Yeah, and I'm young and pretty, and you're nice to me. And so yeah, let's make lemonade. Let's you know, do it. So yeah, and in in the in my footnotes here would say um, Israelite custom and moral expectations strongly suggest that there is no loss of virtue involved in the scene. Yes, I would agree with so that. So there you go. Yeah, I'll agree because they give a little more detail. So yeah, but but this is just to because people can read like uncover his feet and it's like oh, right. So you're gonna <laughs> but there's no loss of virtue here. Like this is mm. yeah. Anyway, all right. So you ready? I I'm she's uncovering his feet. Yes. So. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, love that. So he's a little tipsy. He's he's living <laughs> his best life. <laughs> he went over crushing that grain and <laughs> drinking some wine. She went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Uh, Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. This is just hilarious. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. And he goes, who are you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was sleeping and all of a sudden, like, Ugh! Yeah, imagine just being awake and there's a Some girl lady sleeping at your, at your feet. Yeah. yeah. 
She goes, I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Now spread the corner of your garment over me since you are the guardian redeemer of your family. Let me snuggle up in there. Yeah. And then he goes, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier because you have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Oh. So she pursued a virtuous man as opposed to simply... A young, good-looking one. Yeah, because I might have forgot to mention it, but Boaz is probably about 42. He ain't a spring chicken. No, yeah. he's not. Um, and Again, so, common-ish back in the day. Yes, yes, very common. Because the idea is you need, if you're going to get, like, if you're a woman, you need to get married to, like, have someone look after you and protect you. Because you don't exactly have civil rights. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, like, make carve out a secure future for yourself and at this time. So, exactly. So that that was why that's gone on. So um, he's happy that she's not chasing after younger men. And uh, this is what he says. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. So think of it in, like in line for the throne except the throne is Ruth in this case. There's actually someone who's in this chain is supposed to accept the duty of marrying Ruth before him. And he, so this, again, is showing his character. Here's an older guy, and a young, presumably good-looking lady comes up and says, you should be marrying me. Right. And and he probably could have got away with it, but instead he goes, there's actually somebody else who should marry you. It's almost like bro code. Yes. Yeah, someone, uh, yeah, I'm not the guy. Yes. All right. He's like, I'd like to be, but there's actually somebody who should get it before me. Wow. Um, So here's what he says. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. So go ahead and stay here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. So she stays the night, but there you go. They don't, there's no indication that she slept with him. You'd have to be reading into that quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, but then I do like it how he sneaks her out. That is funny to me. It's a funny detail. But what would people think? Well, yeah, he doesn't want people to get the wrong ideas, especially if there's someone that's supposed to marry her. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Because then she that that could would cause a whole drama. And he's just not he's not there for the drama. He's not here for the drama. No. So. Here's what happens next. He says, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle under her. Then he went back to town. So he's like, hey, for your troubles, have a bunch of food to take back to Naomi. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how'd it go? She told her everything Boaz had done for her and added that he gave, you know, six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Um Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So Naomi's feeling better. That's good. Yeah, because I was worried about it. Because the beginning was very traumatic. 
you know, tragedy, sobbing, to all grass. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hey, mom, I'm going to go work in, in the field basically as a bear. Oh, whatever. Yeah. So she's now she's got a little pep in her step. Little, yeah. She's a little positive now. So here's how this all works out. Boaz goes up to the town gate, sits down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. So he's with this other guy. He says, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. So he's like sort of gathered like an assembly meeting. Yeah. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Eli. So this is Elam. Elam, sorry. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated people here in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he says. Mm. Then Boaz says, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the deed with his property. So he's like, surprise, you're getting married, too, if you purchase this land. Bam. It's a package deal. Is this a little messed up to be reading it from our context? And we're like, you just acquire Ruth. Yes. yes. But this was written, you know, 4,000 years ago. So let's. Right. Okay. At this, the Guardian Redeemer says, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. Wow. You redeem it yourself. I can't do it. Plot twist. Can't do it. Um, yeah, I don't need to read that. Okay, and then so the next line, there's a little footnote that didn't seem helpful. Okay. <laughs> so here's what happens. The Guardian Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witness that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Eli, Killian, and Eleven. Malon. So the the hus the dead husband and the two dead sons. Right. He's purchased all that property. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the deed with his property so that his name will not disappear from his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Now ancestry names lineage was very important to the mm -hmm. to the Jewish culture. That's why if you ever like try and read the Bible word for word, you'll come across these random passages where it's like 10 chapters of lineage and it's like why they were into that. Yes. So the elders and all the people at the gate said, "We are witnesses. May God make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who have together built the family of Israel." May you have standing and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom supported you. Okay, some more Old Testament references. So, all right, this is why this book is so cool. All right, here we go. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Yay. The woman said to Naomi, praise be the Lord to this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous. So she has a baby. And then Naomi is like in this scene, like happy. 
He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. So they're basically like saying like, Naomi, see, isn't it life better now? Right. And she's like, yes. Yeah, it is. And Naomi took the child in her arms, cared for him. The women there living there said, Naomi has a son. So here's, pay attention here. So Ruth's kid, Kay. they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the mm. father of David. David. Boom! <laughs> we did the same thing. <laughs> that is King David. Boom! The I would say one of the most important characters in the Old Testament. I Cert- to say, yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, I mean, you have Abraham, who's like the founding father. You have Ma- Moses, who's the savior. And then it's basically David, sort of in a league of his own for the rest of the book. David is the person who takes Israel and forms them into a nation, is anointed by God, slays Goliath, the ancestor to Jesus. That's the big one. That's the big one. And so notice how this little seemingly bizarre story about a girl getting married get, is the lineage to King David. It's just amazing. Isn't that fun? It is fun. Like this unassuming thing, unassuming story, this, you know, these people like, you know, yep, I want to go back home. So she goes home. Ruth's like, I really don't want, I really want, I want to go. I don't want to stay here. Yeah. Lots of tears, lots of crying, hugging, all that. And Ruth's like, no, I'm going. And, And think about, and here's the thing, Ruth's motives for this were completely unselfish. Just to not abandon Naomi. Right. And it would have been better for her to stay in her homeland and get remarried. Totally. But she foregoes all that. And so who sort of makes rights that wrong is this man of God who follows God's rules to the letter, who comes in, yep. sort of saves the day, and then they they are the great-grandmother and of they, yeah, King they, David. They participate in salvation history. Big time, yeah. That's... So there, I mean, so for me, one of the things is: do the thing that's right. Do the right thing, right? Or the do the, and that's not because it would have been fine for her to stay and get remarried. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But do the. Um, but you got the sense that in in her heart, she knew that the right thing to do was to go to Naomi. All right. So Remember? Yeah. So yeah, do the do the writer thing. And then and then it took Boaz. Like that that's like kind of the scary implication of this is like think how many little details could have changed. What if Boaz wasn't so Right. Ju- what if he was just human yeah. like many people would do and maybe tried to sleep with Ruth that night? Yeah. But uh or just kicked her out of the farm. Or if that guy was like, "All right, yeah, I'll take her." Yeah. Yeah, I don't care about this lineage. I, I, that doesn't matter to me. I don't need yeah. the name to stay in the family. I'll take it and absorb it, and I'll right. become more powerful. He could have done that, too. Yep. So even that guy, shout out to that guy. Shout out to that guy. It's like, you know, it, and I think it also shows, like, even if you're not the main character, even if you're not the main, like, the person that was, like, you know, helped spawn the future King David... You still have a participation in salvation history. Yeah, that guy's action of like, nah, I'm not gonna take her. 
and and you know absorb her into my family like that small detail was still a participation in salvation history right even though he's like just some character i don't even think they named the guy they they didn't no so just some guy just some guy some guy that you know boa's like he's actually got dibs and uh he's like no not gonna do it yeah so i think that also goes to show you know even though we're not the pope we're not the you know the the mother of this great religious order we're not uh, you know the mayor of some town or the president or head of a company or whatever we can still have a role and we're called to have a role in salvation history yeah and the other the other thing too we kind of talked about it when we were reading bishop Barron's book oh yeah and um when he was talking about what does it mean to have power in the church mm. ruth has power in this story yeah because the whole thing is set in motion with her just being loyal to naomi even though she doesn't have to and she sort of and it's it's like her work ethic the fact that she was working in the field all day so boaz found found her the fact that uh, you know she went and sort of took the initiative to be like, "Hey, you should marry me." Like all of these things that like are seemingly not important details, right? These minor little things, but turned out to be a part of the of the whole story. Yes, and I think it's um, it's also like there's a lot of things you can read from this. Or read into this. Like, sometimes leaving your homeland is okay. Yeah. Like, God's not always going to keep you where you're from. Well, the other, this is another important detail. And it's, the reason we glossed over it is because this book glosses over it. But Moab, it's assumed, follows a different religion. Yeah, because they mentioned like pagan gods. Yeah, and she says, "Your like, God, stay with your gods." Like, yeah, your God will be my God, and so there's an element of faith in this as yeah. well. Because Naomi is very much looking at this whole situation as uh, like God has turned his back on me, and Ruth is like, "So, so the idea of faith is not just this backdrop; it's like a central part of the story." It obviously. is, and it's a key thing too, because Ruth was a foreigner. Yes. And that that detail in itself is also a big deal. A foreigner of a nation of a nation or area that was previously hostile to Israel. Right. Yes. That is that and that's not uncommon in scripture as a whole. Right. Like there's God's trying to prove a point in that detail. Yep. It's like, yep, you're my children. You're you're Israel. You and me. We're kicking it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean the others are not part of my plan. Right. They are very much, very much a key component of my my plan. So much so that the anointed one will be a descendant of one of them. Yep. That, And that's all the way back in the Old Testament. Yeah. But that's precisely why... Paul evangelizing the Gentiles was a big was a big deal. It was part of the original idea. Oh yeah, it's it's dotted throughout a lot of once you get past the first 5 books of the Bible, like once Israel gets established as a nation, 
you start to see the seeds of God extending salvation to yep. everybody. By the way, that's what the whole book of Jonah is about. Yeah. Is about trying to save a non-Israelite nation. So you're you're completely right. Paul and all the disciples and Jesus, they were just sort of putting the pieces together and being like, This is this is a process and yep. now it's open for everybody. And the here time, we go. the time has come. Buckle up. Yeah. It's like this whole time. I'm only saying this because we're going to go to Cedar Point tomorrow. But you're just climbing up the first drop hill, climbing up, and then Jesus comes like, all right, here we go. And then awesomeness. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Remember, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, but it, it's such a, a critical p- c- re- thing to know. And then when you, when you, and this might be even a harder pill to swallow for people, but this is precisely why going back to Nostra Aetate, like why the church maintains that, you know, these, you know, like people from other religions, God is still doing something with them. Right. Just because they don't possess, much like in the Old Testament, when these foreigners didn't possess the Mosaic laws and the covenant of, you know, that God made with Israel, just because they don't possess them doesn't mean that God's not going to use them in his story, in his plan. And so as today, there are these truths that exist in these other religions that God uses. And even in you know Protestant denominations, there are truths that they possess that God is going to use. And so that is why that document and, and the others referring to Protestants as separated brothers and sisters, that's why that's so important. Because... God uses everybody. Yeah. And this is this is why the Bible is is cool and it's why it's worth studying at length mm-hmm. because think about how much we just extrapolated from, from one of the shortest books in the yep. Bible. Yeah. A seemingly like if you don't know anything and you just pick it up, it's kind of a weird story. Yeah, like okay, okay, big deal. Like Yeah, so this old guy creeped on this younger girl <laughs> and and they got married. Okay. Right. But like once you know about the Deuteronomic laws, once you know about the ancestry of Jesus and yep. why that was important, then it opens up this whole field of understanding of God trying to exactly. communicate to people. Yep. Yeah. Not sweet. I'm I'm I see why it's it's one of your favorites. Yeah. Because it's you know, it's four chapters. Four chapters. But it's it's got it's there's a richness to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good find. Good find. Yeah. Well, thank for thank you for joining us for Deus Books once again. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, hopefully, hopefully people like the little the little Bible diversion. Well, yeah, I mean, because I feel like that's all right because this is a story that most people probably wouldn't know. Right. Like, we didn't need to do the Exodus. No. Yet. Everyone knows <laughs> that story. Right. Maybe we'll do it one day. Maybe we'll do a, day. De- a deeper, a dive, deeper dive, dive. Peel back the layers. But yeah. Yeah, this is a often overlooked story, and there's a bunch more in the Bible that are just like this. So right, so we hope you have a great time, have a great, uh, great day. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Bye.